Hi, everybody, and welcome to And Then an Aeroplane, a podcast where we're going to be watching every single Ghibli movie. This is our first episode. My name is Autumn, and my co-host is M. Hello! M, what other podcasts do you do? Like, uh, introduce yourself, and then I'll introduce myself, I guess. Uh, okay, uh, I'm a non-binary podcaster. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. Uh, I like anime. I have two other anime podcasts i have the great gundam project which uh i am watching with my friend jackson all of gundam from the beginning to the end uh, we so do that much every week. gundam uh you can find that at time to go ax.is and i also have a uh side anime podcast called your uncle's beach house where we uh get people who uh, pledge our patreon to suggest things for us to watch and then we watch them that's a more regular show uh you can find that abnormal mapping abnormal along with all the rest of our podcasts i have a lot of them but those are the two mm-hmm. that are like germane to this introduction right right um I'm Autumn. Uh, I'm also a non-binary podcaster and use they, them pronouns. Um, and my podcasts you can all find at exportaud.io. My big main podcast is Export Audio, uh, which I do with my girlfriend, Nora. It is a comedy podcast, I guess, loosely wrapped around like, sometimes we watch anime. Sometimes we call three of our friends and bullshit about Kingdom Hearts for three hours. Like... It's hard to describe, but it's my favorite podcast that I listen to. Um. <laughs> that's good. You should make the best podcast you listen to. I feel yeah, like honestly. that's every podcaster's aspiration. <laughs> if if I were going to make a podcast, I would simply make the best one. Um, yep. And so, yeah, we're here to watch every Ghibli movie. We're going to start uh, this week with um, Castle of Cagliostro? Cagliostro? Yes, Caglio. I've always okay. said Cagliostro. I always said that too, and then someone in the dub said Cagliostro, and it threw me off. <laughs> um, um, it probably is looking at the katakana, but I'm going to say Cagliostro, and everyone should be very lucky that I'm going to try hard to say Ghibli and not Ghibli like I did my entire life. So, Oh, see, I had someone um, yell at me for calling it Ghibli when I was 16, and so... I have changed, but in my heart, it's Ghibli, even though I know I'm wrong. Um, and yeah, I, we picked up this project mostly because I have seen seven Ghibli movies, I think, um, and was just like, I need an excuse to watch all of these because the ones I have seen are very important to me. And you and I have been trying to do a podcast for like ever. Yeah. Um, do you want to let people know what you've seen? Uh, yes. Uh, let me pull up the list. Um, okay. I'll go first then. Uh, I've been on and off with anime my entire life. Uh, one of the first anime movies I ever saw was, uh, Princess Mononoke. This would probably been like 2000, 2001. I don't know when it came over here and on like VHS, that original dub. Um, and I did not enjoy it very much. Uh, but I've seen, uh, it's probably easier to say the ones I haven't seen, but I'm going to say them all because I'm going to tell you what we've been through. Uh, we're going to watch, uh, we're going to start with this one, Castle Cagliostro. Obviously we watched this for this podcast, but I've seen it before. Um, Mm -hmm. Autumn, you've not, right? No, I had not seen that till today. Uh, we're going to watch, uh, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, which I've seen many times before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, have you seen that one? I have, I have seen Nausicaa. Nausicaa is like. When seeing Nausicaa is when I went from, oh, I kind of like Ghibli movies to like, oh, Ghibli movies are like part of me now. (laughs) Um, We're going to watch Castle in the Sky, which I've seen before. I have not. Grave of the Fireflies, which I am dreading watching again because I've seen it before. (laughs) (laughs) Sure did see that when I was 14 and just decided, loved it, never going to watch it again. And uh, now we're here. (laughs) Uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which I love a lot. I've seen that. seen that. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, one of my favorites on this list. I've seen that. It's great, great, great movie. Uh, only Yesterday, have not seen it. Nope, me neither. Uh, Porco Rosso, I've seen in love. Uh, Porco Rosso is my avatar on Twitter, Discord, and my uh, Twitter banner. Um, better a pig than a fascist. Uh, on here is Ocean Waves, which I've never even heard of. I have not looked at this entire list yet. Are we watching this? this I guess available? so. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have this in my tour? Oh yeah, there's to- there's totally a uh, there's totally a 
home video release. So yes, uh, we're watching Ocean Rays. Obviously, not seen it. Uh, Palm Poco have not seen that. No, me neither. Uh, Whisper of the Heart I've seen, but do not remember. That's another that I'm like I have heard that name before. Uh, Princess Monoke I have not seen since uh, way back when. Um, I saw it last year and didn't care for it, and so it is weirdly one of the ones I'm most excited to revisit to either figure out why I didn't care for it or come around and like it. So, Uh, My Neighbor the Yamadas, I have not seen. Me neither. Spirited Away, one of, when I was younger, my favorite films of all time. Still probably high up there. One of those movies that I've ended up seeing, like, 600 times just because like it was on and i wasn't paying attention but it was there you know mm-hmm. um, yeah i'm excited to like get invested in spirit away in the first time for a few years okay uh the cat returns i've seen i have not uh how's moving castle i've not seen since it was in theaters uh that's when i started seeing these when they came out <laughs> I saw Howl's Moving Castle. I saw the first 10 minutes. I tweeted that Howl is hot and someone told me that I'm problematic. Um, And I fell asleep about 10 minutes in because it was like midnight. I don't remember anything about this. (laughs) So don't remember a single thing about it other than there's a scarecrow. Uh, That's it. Uh, Um, Tales from Earthsea, I have not seen. I have not seen that. Um, I I forgot they have an Earthsea movie um, because I've now read one earthsea book so yeah i've not read any earthsea books i might do that for this we'll see who can say all things are possible (laughs) uh there's ponyo which i've seen multiple times i love ponyo i'm excited for ponyo i have not seen that uh the secret world of arietti i saw in a theater i also saw that in a theater that's the only one of these i've seen in a theater um from up on poppy hill uh i might have seen i don't remember (laughs) same i don't think i have but I know I was there when my high school girlfriend bought a Blu-ray of it, so, like, presumably she showed it to me, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I it, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. We'll find out when we watch it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Wind Rises, I have not seen. Me neither. Tale of Princess Kaguya, I have not seen. I didn't even realize that was a Ghibli movie. And When Marnie Was There, I have not seen. No, me neither. Okay. And then this list I'm looking at has a um, to-be-announced... Uh, Miyazaki movie uh, that I saw in the article is coming out in 2020. I will believe that when I see it. <laughs> uh, well, they're aiming for before the Olympics, so that's a hard out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as they say in the podcasting business. Yeah, I will extremely believe that when I see it. <laughs> all I know um, is that the wind rises is about him retiring. <laughs> that's all I know about it. Yeah, look, Miyazaki, I feel like, is one of those figures who's going to retire when he dies, and that's it. That's just the hard limit. <laughs> Yeah, I respect that, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so that's kind of our history. I, if you have nothing else, I feel like we should probably get into our actual movie, because we're going to have plenty to talk about. Okay, so yeah, the movie we watched for this first episode was um, The Castle of Cagliostro. Uh, <laughs> okay, well... Um, it was the first movie that, uh, Miyazaki directed, uh, it's technically not a Ghibli movie, but I have never seen anything Lupin, and so I just wanted to watch this. Um, yes, this was produced by TMS, where, uh, Miyazaki was mo- working at the time. Right, um, which I think, uh, wasn't he also working on a lot of the Lupin shows at this time? Yes, he did a, I think he did a couple episodes of part one, and he was working on part two. Okay, okay. So yeah, this kind of comes out of that and leads into them making Nausicaa, and then them, them forming uh, Studio Ghibli. Um, and yeah, like I say, I'd never seen this before. It's just a really good action movie. It's just a really good action movie. <laughs> oh, yes, I apologize. I thought I said uh, it was released in uh, 1979. Um I guess December 1979 is what I've got here. Uh, and yep. then there are two different dubs for this. One uh, is from much earlier than the other. One is, Okay, one is from 1992, and the other is from the year 2000. Yes. Uh, I have uh, listened to the 2000 dub and the Japanese one. Um, yes. I watched the 2000 dub on Sunday, um, and then I watched the uh, sub um just yesterday while I was taking notes. So I have not mm-hmm. seen the original dub except for the first 10 minutes of the movie. It it seemed pretty bad. It seemed 
like not the script that was written and so we switched over to the newer dub well uh noting if, if you're going to seek this one out they didn't even have the rights to use uh the name lupon because those are owned by the uh estate of gosh where are we going here um um our saying need yeah, uh, Maurice LeBlanc's uh, estate owns the name Arsène Lupin, because Lupin the Third, if you don't know, is the third generation fictional thief of a gentleman thief from French literature, Arsène Lupin. The first, I mm. guess. I, that is a lineage that, like, I saw a Wikipedia hole open up before me, and I have not dived down into it yet. I was like, wait, these, they're not books, but they're inspired by books. I was just like, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to watch the movie. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, do we need more preamble, or I think we no, can no, just no. Go I can I s- can briefly summarize the movie. Uh, if you don't know, a little preamble. I guess we should talk about Lupin as a thing first, because this mm-hmm. is usually people's first introduction to Lupin. It's usually where everyone tells people to start. I don't know if I necessarily think that's the best option, but you know, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Lupin the Third himself, who is a gentleman thief, uh, dashing and nefarious in turn. You have his quick draw companion, uh, Jigen, uh, who has the hat pulled over his eyes and the cool beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, Goemon, who, uh, hates women and has a very sharp sword and walks around in samurai regalia the entire time mm-hmm. uh you have fujiko mine who is i guess an ally but uh also is she who can say because uh they betrayed uh, lupin and her betray each other at every turn <laughs> uh she's great uh she's she's usually the one with the best plans and the most violence love uh, her and they are all pursued by uh inspector zenigata of the uh, japanese police mm-hmm. uh who I think is, like, supposed to be also, like, a character from history, um, but I'm not sure. Hmm. That's another, like, I've just clicked this, I've opened the Wikipedia hole, and I'm going to close it quickly before I get caught up in this on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I guess not. Uh, I'm not like a huge Lupin expert. I've seen like half of part one. Um, but normally these are, you know, rambunctious... 22 minute shorts like there's not like an overarching story lupin tries to steal something fujiko tries to steal something the other one gets in the other's way hijinks ensue neither of them usually get what they want or if it, someone does it's always fujiko lupin never gets what he wants uh and everyone goes on their merry way uh and this is uh, the second movie um i didn't even realize it was very popular yeah i didn't even realize this was the second movie because like this movie opens with Lupin and uh, Jigen like successfully completing a heist and then ends with them driving off into the distance and like getting into more antics and it's just like oh yeah okay this is just what their life is is just this every week you know yeah this movie's really good (laughs) (laughs) so before we get into that uh the (laughs) the movie begins with them knocking over a casino in Monte Carlo Mm -hmm. uh they steal just a car full of money and as they drive away lupin realizes that it's all counterfeits a very particular well-made type of counterfeit uh called gothic bills um and the only place those are made are at the grand duchy of cagliostro where he wants to go and figure out what's going on with all of this counterfeit money and to knock it off because it ruins his job of stealing things Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. they go there and find the very small duchy um the principality if you will Um, (laughs) fuck off (laughs) uh they find the duchy like embroiled in a like soft coup of the uh the count what is his name count lazar de cagliostro i uh, i literally just have him as the count every single time in my notes because i never remembered his name (laughs) Uh, who was the person who was doing all the ill shit for the royal family of Cagliostro until the king and queen died, or the prince and princess, because it's a duchy. Right. um, And uh, their young daughter, he is holding captive with hopes to marry her and unite the people who did the ill shit and the people who were in charge of everything under his own control. Uh, And Lupin decides to save this girl from this forced marriage to this awful guy and solve the mystery of the uh, Gothic Bills and the mysterious, like, lineage rumor that there is a special treasure uh, hidden in the castle of Cagliostro. Mm -hmm. And uh, does that through great mishap. (laughs) (laughs) Great mishap. Um, Just 
mostly strung to mostly of this is just to string together like a dozen really great action scenes um to go like kind of broad before we get into the nitty-gritty just like i was watching this movie like wow they just don't make good action movies anymore this is just a really they, good they action do every movie. once in a while but no you're not wrong yeah there's a lot of like apocryphal um unattributed quotes to like spielberg saying that um this movie inspired uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and, you know, this is, like, Spielberg's favorite action movie. And, like, I don't know if any of that's true, but you can definitely see it uh, all over this movie. The the thing that I always think of is, like, one, whether that's true or not is very up in the air. Mm-hmm. But two, uh, Lupin and Spielberg both pull from, like, action cinema of, like, both, like, old, like, uh, like uh, serial reels like Indiana Jones is based on things from like the 40s but also like the action of the 70s like there's a ton of fancy European uh, like nice cars and dashing thief kind of fiction out there right. there was a whole genre that's basically gone away aside from Lupin um, and so I, I don't know if I would necessarily be like oh he definitely took it from Lupin especially since uh, as far as we can tell, the quotes are maybe not true. Because there's like this rumor Wikipedia sites like he saw this screened at Con in like 1980, and there's no evidence that that ever happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's on the Wikipedia page, and the Wikipedia page has like eight notes about how we have no way of knowing if this is true. It was just something printed on the box art at one point. Yeah. Because the Wikipedia page also has a bunch of quotes about how, like, this doesn't actually reflect what Lupin's like because uh, Lupin's more rough and tumble and more of a scoundrel. And, like, yes, but also I think this is just what Lupin is most of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just because just he doesn't try to hit on the teen girl does not make it not like the rest of Lupin. Just sometimes in the show he would also do that because, you know, anime. Boy, he sure does hit on the teen girl in this movie, huh? <laughs> I don't, I read this movie as him not actually doing that, but we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, let's, I guess let's start at the start. Like, like you say, um, they knock over the casino. Um, I'm trying to think, skimming my notes. Like, I guess the thing that's really interesting at the start of the movie is that like, somehow Lupin is able to like identify, um, the goat bills. And like, I think there's actually like a running mystery in the movie that is like surprisingly interesting of like. Lupin not actually saying his history with this stuff. Um, yes. That is, like, way more captivating than the actual, like, um, will they get the treasure? Uh, are they printing? Or who's printing these uh, counterfeits, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm having trouble figuring out how to talk about this just because there's... I love every action scene. I just love, like, how all the cars are drawn. Um, before I saw this movie, like... I saw the first car chase where um, he sabotaged all these cars and cut them in half and nonsense. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of this movie that gets shared around on Twitter, I think, just because mm-hmm. of how excellent the animation is. Uh, the thing about the car chase that is especially funny is like, these are really specific cars. Um, the one Lupin is driving through the film is a Fiat 500, which was, uh, the car that, uh, the head animator, uh, Yasuo Otsuka had. And the Clarissa's car is the Citroen 2CV, which is the one that Miyazaki had at the time or his first car. <laughs> um, this will keep coming up Miyazaki's. And this is part of the reason why this uh, podcast is called And Then an Aeroplane. Miyazaki's uh, obsession with, like cars and airplanes just drifts through the entire his entire filmography um like i i like this movie uh and there's plenty of reasons why but in many ways it feels like lupin having a crossover with like the idea of ghibli films that doesn't exist yet because it's the first one but there's a lot of stuff that goes on to be hallmarks of miyazaki's movies in general that just populate this movie to the to the point where they take up as much if not more space than the lupin stuff Mm -hmm. um i feel like clarice like her character design then just shows up in every ghibli movie since then because she's like yes extremely close to nausicaa extremely close to fio from porco rosso i could probably Probably mm-hmm. name more people, but those were the two that just like popped in my head. Yes, I told someone I was watching this, and the first thing they reply they sent me was, "Oh, I love the auto gyro bit," <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, the, they just love drawing weird planes, and the auto gyro does in fact rule. Um, it is very cool. Uh, maybe shouldn't have had Zenigata fly it at all, but you know. <laughs> um, here's a question for you. 
Who's your yes. favorite character um, out of this movie? Because I was I was surprised. I think Zenigata is my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, so Lupin in general, I like Jigen a lot. I think he's cool. Uh, Jet Black's also my favorite Cowboy Bebop character. So surprise, <laughs> surprise, I like Jigen a lot. Because <laughs> they're the same guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, this movie, I think this movie really shines on Zenigata and Lupin's like we are going to set aside our differences and be comrades in arms against this guy who sucks the most, <laughs> uh, which is not a thing that really shows up in the show as far as I've watched. Uh, and then he got just a scene stealer like him uh, towards the end when they like make a show of like the TV cameras descend to the catacombs to show him <laughs> discovering all of the counterfeit machines that he saw like yesterday and, uh, uh, and he just makes this big hammy show of like, what's this? What could these bills be? Is just so charming and good. What a dumbass. <laughs> He's so good. I, when they cut away to all the UN guys being like, this fucking asshole is ruining our whole thing. It's extremely good. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what's a poor cop to do? It's, oh, I love him. Yes, uh, he's great. Uh, and this movie really is like, I feel like he does end up, because Lupin is a little more toned down because he's like, as a dashing hero more than he is like mm. doing shitty things. Uh, Zenigata gets the space to just kind of be like the guy who does the right thing, even when it goes against his principles of helping Lupin this one time. I mm-hmm. uh, made easier because Lupin's a little less uh, all over the place mm-hmm. as a character. Cause like actual show Lupin is just like evil Bugs Bunny or Bugs Bunny, depending how you feel about Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was really surprised at how much like, looney tunes stuff was in this movie i didn't kind of expect that but like we one of the first scenes has just like a tree falling on lupin's head and like knocking him out with like a comedy like trombone like slide or something there's a lot of just like looney tunes and like weird comedy there's the car driving up on the cliffside um that's just extremely good and just like breathes a lot of life into a lot of this stuff yeah, the thing I think of is, like, there's a scene about midway through where he's trying to get, uh, Lupin's trying to get to the tower where Clarice is put. I was just about to he, shout this out. Yeah, he, he tries to, like, do a line, like, like throw a line over that will allow him to, like, uh, zip line over. But he ends up sliding down this huge roof that is very steep and running and then doing these incredible rubbery, mm-hmm. like, long-legged leaps across the points of the spires to that, like, lone tower. And it's just the like a broad very like early rubbery 30s cartoon as he does these things and the thing like the reason that the Zenith Goddess stuff is charming is that that stuff that Lupin does which is incredible exists in the same world where Zenigata is late to the climax because he has to get his like car full of cops <laughs> up a hill and he's just stuck in the mud for <laughs> 15 minutes and just him like directing all of these guys to push this jeep up a hill uh, and it's impossible god that whole tra- that whole traffic jam scene is incredible with just like, oh, everybody's just like sees there's a traffic jam and apparently just goes to hang out. I don't even know if they need to get to the wedding necessarily. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do like that Zenigata is the only one who's late because uh, Fuchika Mine just, just uh, disguises herself as a newscaster. And then Lupin pretends like hijacks a bishop and decides to pretend to be the bishop. Yeah. Fujiko is the like is the other like scene stealing character in this movie. Just like every time, like there's a scene where she's a newscaster and um, one of like ca- uh, the count's henchmen tries to sneak up on her, and she just pulls out a gun, turns one eighty, shoots him, and goes back to newscasting. And it's the best thing that's ever happened in a movie. Um, there's also the, the long extended scene where she's uh, talking to Clarice and trying to like talk her through her feelings as she's uh, like putting together a, a like paragliding jetpack mm-hmm. and throwing grenades. There's a there's a bit in that scene where she throws a grenade at glass and in the sub it says bulletproof glass. In the newer job I watched it said <laughs> grenade proof glass, which is just great. <laughs> <laughs> I love the count getting grenade proof glass specifically. That's really good. God, the count is such a shitbag. I'm now just thinking about this fucking asshole. Um, who- well, he's, inter- he's introduced like flying an airplane and being like the dashing hero guy. And he gets, he like lands his airplane in like the lake and goes up to the pier outside the castle and gets out. And his like 
like Igor looking servant spends his entire time as he marches up to the like top of the tower of the castle, just like taking off all his flight gear and putting on the evil villain gear mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. he just gets a more and more ostentatious suit. And it's amazing. <laughs> and he like only ever talks with like one side of his mouth. And yes. he's just, <laughs> he's just constantly mumbling evil things to his servants and just being like, ah, oh, I'm going to be so evil here in five minutes. Um, he, he ends this movie going to a wedding in just like full, like what my girlfriend described as a Xeon uniform. I think that's not quite true, but it's pretty darn close. Well, he has like, he has like this like ram horn head and this very like this black keeper. The inside is just blood red Mm -hmm. and all of his like the like Cagliostro soldiers are dressed in these like very black wizard hoods. So it just ends up looking like he invited like all of the leaders of state and the TV news to film his satanic witch ritual. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> also the archbishops here, like standing in front of this guy with like a ram's head, they might as well be standing on a pentagram as they do this. <laughs> I also like super, for a minute, could not understand his plan at all about, like, uniting the bloodlines. And I was like, oh, he's just a petty tyrant who just wants to be the Duke of 3,500 people. Like, okay, he's just that. Okay. For- yeah, because he's already he's already de facto in charge. He just wants the title. Like, it's not enough that he owns this counterfeiting ring that has its fingers literally in every major country. Then none of them will touch him because they know how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. He just needs he needs the title. He needs to sit on the throne. Well, and it's he's monologuing enough. about how he has to unite uh, the two ancient Cagliostro lines. And, like, none of that made any sense to me until I was like, oh, he just, he literally just wants to be even more in charge okay (laughs) it's not that deep (laughs) he thinks it's really deep and it's not no because he acts like it's about the rings but he he just had that ring like he could have just used it any time right like he captured her like two or three times like (laughs) yep i love i also just love like lupin does not at first get involved in any of this because like he cares about any of the like bloodline stuff or who will run um this small country he just saw a bride driving fast when he was here and was like, oh, I want to just get involved. I want to stick my nose in this bullshit. Sure. Yes. <laughs> um. uh, and then there's the layers of why he's after, like, why he's going to these great lengths. Because uh, then he, like, he Jigen plays it off like, oh, he's in love with this girl. Clearly, that's why he's doing it. And then Lupin plays it off to her and the Count that he's interested only because he thinks the Count's a bad guy. And he doesn't want to see a guy like that, like, win the day. Uh, when in actuality, it's because he's repaying a debt that he realized he owed Clarice when he met her 10 years ago when he was here. Mm-hmm. And like, nobody else remembers. No one else remembers. And like, like, yeah, I think this movie is really saved by like Lupin, like not knowing or not caring what sex is. Um, because like, there's a moment, there are like two or three moments where I'm like, ooh, is this gonna, is this gonna break in a weird way where he's like flirting with the 10 year old or the girl 10 years younger than him? But no, it's fine. Like, yes, because she definitely treats us like she's being swept off her feet in like a romantic way. Mm-hmm. And he is very gentle about letting her down because clearly is not interested. And it's the thing that I like the most about this portrayal of Lupin is the way in which he's like, in any other situation, if this was any other woman who is like appropriate for this to be, this is exactly what would happen. But it's not here. Mm-hmm. Um, God, the the line at the end where G- er, not Jigen, Zenigata is like, oh, but he stole your heart. I was... I almost yelled. I was so mad at how corny that was. (laughs) Oh, going back to the count for a second. He also, he has the dorkiest ninja army I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) They're really, they're really weird because they, they act like ninjas, but they have these like very European style gauntlets with spiky fingers Mm -hmm. and they walk like, they just do like a weird bow-legged crab walk the entire time. Right. I think they're like legitimately unsettling because they're so weird. But the when when they stop, like when they first show up at night, they're like running across the rooftops and swarming into the bedroom uh, of Lupin at the hotel, and they're like scary. But then towards the end, there's a scene where uh, they had surrounded Lupin and Clarice in Clarice's like tower bedroom, and they all like he uh, the count tells them all to leave, and they all just like shuffle behind pillars yeah. off screen. <laughs> I also, I didn't realize my first time through that um, Jodo, the, like, 
Igor servant, like the head servant guy, yes. is just one, is of, one of the dudes. <laughs> yes. Which is extremely good. Um, I, I love, I love the, Nora, Nora kept asking me while we were watching, like, what's this guy's deal? I'm like, he just loves, like, the count. He just loves that guy. And, yeah, like, no. there's not, it's not that deep. Henchman gonna hench. It's what they do. Yep. Um, Nora also asked me at one point, um, while we were watching, um, like, why are all the background paintings way cooler than the characters? And I'm like, that's just Ghibli movies. That's just what all of these it's movies are. what happens are. when you have incredible animators making meticulous everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just gonna have to get used to it. <laughs> yes. Like, this ridiculous, um, like, Castlevania castle is just gorgeously rendered in every background. And you just... I know there's, like, a blog that has, like, every um, Sailor Moon background painting. And I need to go look and see if there's like a similar one for studio Ghibli because I need all these background paintings. <laughs> yeah. There was, um, cause I've always, I've always thought of like the Ghibli style and stuff that evokes this, uh, as Japanese Europe, uh, coined by, uh, famous podcast, the giant Bombcast. Uh, <laughs> but the, the Wikipedia here offers a different term called Akogare no Paris uh, or Paris of our dreams, which hmm. is evokes the same thing. Um, and it's interesting to have a name for that because it does, it is going to be the like core running theme through almost all of these movies. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like all of these paintings, all of this, like this exact setting is ends up being like part of why I love Porco Rosso so much. Like this is a, yeah, this is just all through all of these movies in a huge way. And I love it. Um, and like, as much as like the castle is like supposed to be imposing in a place of like mystery and intrigue, most of it's just really pretty. Like it's just an mm-hmm. incredibly beautiful castle uh, that happens to have like Scooby-Doo eye hole paintings mm-hmm. and a, a bust head that spits out Polaroids of people who have tripped the alarm system. Lasers that just like melt guns. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm trying to find something, and I just scrolled past in my notes the absurd Satan chamber where he's keeping um, Clarice. It is just a Satan chamber, <laughs> and then a bunch a bunch of guys in like black versions of KKK hoods drift in holding swords. It's a lot. I did have to like pause the movie and explain that like I don't remember how I know this, but like that is like a old Catholic thing is like mm-hmm. those hoods and the KKK like took that and like because Nora just believed that like the KKK showed up in this movie for a second I'm like it's not as bad as it could be <laughs> um there's also a thing I noticed does Lupin not shoot a gun in this movie because I noticed at one point like his gun gets vaporized and I'm trying to search my memory for like I don't I don't think he does yeah it's not really his style really uh he's much more of a schemer like Jigen's the one who's got the guns Jigen has an incredible gun <laughs> yeah this one he has a sniper rifle that I don't think he uses a single time <laughs> no he does use it one time because like um, one of these ninja guys is like r- rushing up on him during the wedding, and he fires that thing at a dude point blank, which seems bad. Oh, right. <laughs> he only fires it in like a very tight space. He never because there's a whole sequence of the movie where he's just waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. on, in like a sniper's nest. He never fires the gun then. <laughs> well, they're also they're hiding in the sniper's nest in the um, opposite castle, but he like so he's got it perched on a bunch of stone and has covered it in vines. So it would be extremely obvious. <laughs> like, oh yeah. But, um, yeah. Also, Goemon is in this movie and doesn't do anything one time. It really, it felt to me like he was, like, fan service for, like, or not fan service, but, like, he was here for Lupin fans. And, like, I didn't have a strong impression of him in this movie at all. I had had heard, uh, and I couldn't find this, like, looking again, that Miyazaki forgot about Goemon and just kind of had to throw him in last minute. I wouldn't be shocked. And that's basically what it feels like. Yeah. I think he's in three scenes and does something in like one of them, and it's just kill henchmen. So well, there is the there is the amazing scene where uh, Lupin is escaping from a burning airplane is on and is on fire, and Goemon cuts Lupin's suit off of him in a single stroke. That's pretty good. <laughs> but that's kind of what Goemon does. He shows up and cuts something and says, oh, "My blade has cut another worthless thing," and that's kind of it. That's his whole deal. Okay. He's not. I don't think Goemon's very interesting. Sorry, Lupin fans. Maybe someday I will understand, but I don't yet. <laughs> I might download part one after we finish this podcast because I'm kind of in on Lupin now. I know, like, 
yeah, I, I know like the complaints about how this is not like the best Lupin thing, but like now I'm at least curious about like diving into more Lupin stuff. I mean, the thing, the the best part of Lupin is that you can kind of enter anywhere since except for like the more very recent stuff. Uh, it's all pretty just one off. So if it makes you interested to watch more Lupin, you just watch more Lupin. Just, you know, obviously the television show from several years before is not going to look like the Ghibli film or right. Ghibli film. Right. Sorry, I said I wouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did at one point while we were, uh, while I was taking my notes, like I couldn't remember his name. So I Googled, Lupin Samurai, um, and was shown a clip from a very recent show of Goemon having a very serious fight with a lumberjack. It seemed like not the thing I wanted. It seemed like there was no laughter in whatever the most recent Lupin thing this was from. Uh, it might have been because I know that they've done like spinoff movies like there's a Goemon movie and a Jigen movie that are like much more playing with the form. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a very serious Goemon samurai film mm-hmm. that's meant to be like that <laughs> to, be, to to almost be, like the joke is that it's played very serious. Right. Right. I'd be I'd be into a Jigen movie at least. I don't know. Like, I guess you would have to do comedy stuff for Jigen. I don't know. Um, that just mm-hmm. seems like more Lupin, so I don't know. But also, um, mostly in the early movies, or early part of the movie, sorry, but like Jigen and Lupin are just married to each other. It's very good. <laughs> just like there's a, the opening montage of the song and like them road tripping across Europe. Um, there's a scene where Lupin is brooding and Jigen comes to cheer him up, and like their dynamic is just very good. <laughs> Yes, it is. So I looked up this guy, and one, he just looks like the brawny man. Um, he does. But he, he does. He also he also has swords for teeth. Does he have swords for teeth? Please let me look at this image I just sent you. Oh, that guy has swords for teeth. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to suspect that that movie is just kind of goofy also. Maybe that movie is okay. Maybe I preemptively judged him. That dude has swords for teeth. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Jigen is basically Lupin's platonic life mate. Uh, mm. the two of them should just get married. It would make everything much easier. Right, right. And like, they just have an understanding that like, every now and then Lupin has a weekend with Fujiko, but it's not that serious, you know, like. Yep. I mean, both of them are going to lie about it regardless of what happens. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, movie is extremely good. It's also just an action movie and so i feel like i'm running out of things to say about it um no that's all right i feel like we've covered a good chunk of it and we have plenty of questions yeah we do uh i think i think if this is if you look at this you're like i would like more of this i understand it's not going to look like this Mm -hmm. uh i think watching lupin is fine you can start at any part you want uh seemingly so um yeah if if miyazaki is more involved in part two i might jump to part two but if i'm gonna go all the way back to part two i might as well go all the way back to part one who knows yep also part one is only like 26 episodes part two is like 150 oh shit (laughs) (laughs) i it's one of those things where like i knew lupin was a forever show but i didn't i didn't realize it was a forever show until you said 150 episodes just now uh, yep. Yeah, no. It is 155. It ran for three years because that's what anime was like. God. <laughs> Naruto. Oh, God. For our final segment, we are going to take questions. If you would like to send questions on the movies we're covering, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Um, please put what you're talking about in the subject line. Um, but, you know, we'll take whatever. Uh, we like answering questions. You've seen, you know what we've seen. So if you send something for a future movie, uh, just just label it. So right. we don't blunder into reading about a movie we haven't seen yet. Right. I don't think either uh, of us are like absolutely never spoil something for us but i would prefer not to be spoiled on things i haven't seen yeah um Um, 
But if you want to, if you like next time when we're going to talk about Nausicaa, if you're like, I still have questions about Cagliostro, feel free to send those in. Yeah. We can talk about things in a rolling basis. Right. I don't mind. Uh, our first uh, email is from Nate. Uh, that was like, uh, isn't it, uh, isn't it the best whenever a wily thief and an indefinite, indefinite, I'm not going to be able to ever say that word. I only know how to say it because of a Monty Python song. Yes. Uh, so I don't know My if I'm like, what's the Monty Python right? song say? <laughs> Indefight a gable? That's definitely not right. <laughs> so isn't it just the best whenever a wily thief and an inspector put their eternal rivalry aside to join forces against a common foe? And it is. It's, it's the, best the best part of the movie. <laughs> This is Zenigata's movie. I don't. I didn't. I forgot that Zenigata could be interesting because I don't think he particularly is in the show. Um, he's just someone for Lupin to ruin the life of. Basically, <laughs> the bit where Lupin ends up in the castle dungeon and Zenigata gets excited, like, "Oh, obviously Lupin would have shown up here on purpose," and Lupin's like, "Nope, I'm stuck here just like you." Uh, we have an email from Nora, uh, who is uh, your girlfriend. It's a very long email, so <laughs> I will summarize. <laughs> Um, and Nora does point out, uh, that Z enjoyed a Lupin's steady optimism and cheer. I feel like he is always that guy. So if you're worried that's going to be lost in the, in the show, it will not, he's just a little slimier mm-hmm. is all that, that's the thing. Um, and then, uh, questions, uh, the count dresses in what I can only describe as a third rate Z on uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone with that design appeared in a Gundam show, what would his mobile suit be named? <laughs> I didn't know any of these questions. Um, I didn't ask them what, or I didn't ask her what uh, her questions were. So, God, I'm bad, I'm bad at. I almost feel like, like, what is like Rambaral fly around? Like, what is just like a guy who is killed after three episodes in 0079 fly around? Just like one of those suits. I mean, right? he just has a goof, like, right? You know, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like. This guy is just a three-episode villain in 79 um, that is murdered horribly by Amaro. I think I would... I think it's not It's not very Zeon-y because Zeon mobile suits have names that are not meant to evoke anything in particular. But going with his, like, Ram's head design, I'd probably go with Vaf- Baphomet, like the demon. Right, um, okay, okay. Uh, which is very... Uh, uh, in uh, Sure, it will delight Nora as a very, like, Code Geass way of naming your mech. <laughs> Um, and then and then we have uh, I understand that airplanes of all kinds are important to a lot of the movies you'll be covering for the pod um, their question is uh, do you have a favorite airplane or craft um, other than the thing from Matt Cross which I don't think I would have picked <laughs> I I did know about this question and I, I told her like okay the plane from Matt Cross is fine it's when the robot is a plane and a robot at the same time that's when it's good um I'm now hijacking this podcast to say that Gerwalk mode is good. I don't I don't know anything about planes. Um I just know that like I really like the plane in Nausicaa. I like how like I mean we'll we'll talk about this next next time, but like the way that they have to care for that plane like gets me invested in that in the way that I don't usually get invested in like vehicles in media. Um I'm a person who's watched like three seasons of Gundam and doesn't care that much about mechs. I'm going to have to have a talk with this podcast. (laughs) I mean, I might start, I might start doing Gunpla, but I, there's only like three suits that I like love enough on their own that I would do um, Gunpla. And so like getting me to care about vehicles that don't look like people, that's like a whole nether layer um, of difficulty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess my answer, and I'm not very specific because I also am not super into planes, but I know that uh, my dad was a pilot and radio operator at one point in the military and knew and flew like a Cessna. Um, so like just those single seater, like one propeller, like uh, single engine Cessna mm-hmm. small planes like those a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm looking at one now. Those. This is good. Yeah. So that's probably my answer. Um, did we have, uh, no, actually that's it. That is, uh, all for Nora. Uh, we have an email from Mike, uh, Cagliostro has become my favorite comfort food type movie to watch for many years. Uh, over time, the style of the film has leached into my aesthetic values and aspirations. Uh, has any part of the, the film affected your personality or aesthetics in particular? We could broaden this out to any film. Um, I mean, so from like age, like 
14 to 18, probably. Like, Raiders of the Lost Ark was my favorite movie. That was, like, my comfort food movie where I would just put that on while I was doing homework most days in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, this movie, obviously not because I just saw it for the first time. But, like, I kind of know what this movie infecting your personality, like, sort of is like. Um, Except that you don't get cool Japanese Europe. You get weird, vaguely racist American Egypt. (laughs) Um, um, the, uh, aesthetically, the, the Ghibli movie that I think is most, like, influenced on my personality is probably Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm-hmm. I like all of the, like, down-home, like, just very busy living space quality to it. Um, I think that's really good. Um, I feel like, personality-wise, uh, the movie that I think of as, like, affecting my personality most when I was, like, a teenager was, uh, the Coen Brothers movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> But in in ways of like kind of like self-depreciatingly uh, like turning your interaction with the people into almost like a gimmick. Like there's like a banter quality to that film that I think is very good. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's for the best I turn into a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I um, sort of know what you're talking about with like watching Fargo two times when I was 16 um, mm-hmm. and just like. I don't know, one, thinking I was really smart, and two, thinking that, like, all these terrible con men are just fun and interesting. Um, I can't think of how that would influence my personality, but I definitely think, like, Fargo overtook my vocabulary for a month of my life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does happen. Uh, we have an email from Hunter that is asking about the lasting influence this movie has. Uh, that it's referenced time and again, um, and just was impressed in the way in which it tells a very simple story very well in the same way that Spielberg does. Uh, Raiders is a pretty good example. I don't know if you're there yet. You're watching Macross, right? Yes, I'm on episode 17 or 18 right now. Okay, this movie is referenced deeper in where you are in Macross. They go to an arcade, and one of the arcade games is Spy Hunter, but you're a little yellow buggy uh, on a bridge, and it's very good. There's also, it's referenced in the Wikipedia article, and it reminded me that there's a really good uh, episode of Batman the Animated Series that has, like, a little homage to the clock tower scene. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. The thing, oh, I can't even believe we didn't talk about how goofy the clock tower thing is, where uh, <laughs> Lupin is just doing, like, Tex Avery comedy loops as he's fighting the Count on all of these gears. Uh and there's a bit where he's like yelling as like a gear is smashing his face over and over mm-hmm. again. It's so good. <laughs> I could I could watch a sword fight in every single movie. Just I love sword fights, and this movie gave me a great sword fight and a ridiculous clock tower, um, in a way that you could only do in animation because <laughs> in live action you'd be worried about hurting someone. Mm-hmm. Um also, according to the Wikipedia, there's a reference to this in Great Mouse Detective, and now I'm like, I should just watch Great Mouse Detective movie. I've never, I've never seen Great Mouse Detective. I for some reason just totally missed me. I like Disney a lot, so it's really surprising. I have not seen it since I had it on VHS, but I have fond memories. So, um, and then we have one last email from Tron. Uh, thank you, Tron, again. Tron writes into every podcast and is always great with many questions. Um, and uh, Tron's first question is, how do you feel about the humor in this movie and the way the punchlines were like insightful into the characters? Uh, specifically, shouted out Fujiko running off with the counterfeit plates at the end of the movie. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I like when Lupin sees them. Like he's just ready to tell her goodbye, and then he sees them, and he's like, "Oh, we should be friends. Come back." <laughs> he didn't want counterfeit money that someone else made, but he did want counterfeit money that he made. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. What do you think about the water in this movie? Um, we didn't really talk about the fact that the, the end reveals that there's a Roman city underneath, like, the dammed up lake at Cagliostro. It doesn't really matter that much, but it is very pretty when it's revealed. Yeah, watching when I was watching it a second time, um, like, the whole bit where Lupin carries her into the Roman city uh, through when he says goodbye to Clarice, I kind of just started talking to someone and was, like, not paying enormous attention. It's fine it's like the least interesting part of the movie um because it doesn't uh, the need thing to be i really like it 
the, the thing I really like is the scene where him and uh, Jigen are swimming into the castle, uh, and Lupin gets separated and like comes out through a fountain inside. And there's a bit where Zenigata is like, "I know Lupin's here. I just can smell it." And he he like peeks his head into the fountain, and there's a like a POV shot from inside the fountain where his face is all like distorted from the water. It's just very good animation. Oh, that's extremely good. <laughs> um. Tron also asks, what did you think of the relationship between Lupin and Clarice? Um, I will say, I think, like, the first scene where he meets her and is extremely charming, like, that is a scene mm-hmm. that could very easily break bad for me. And, like, it's actually, I think, like, part mostly because of, like, how he's animated, I think, like, he comes off extremely charming and good in that scene. Um, yes. Otherwise, I don't care about their relationship, quote unquote. <laughs> Uh, I just like, I think it's like a subtle thing to get the like sense of someone being let down from their affections very gently, which is what he does. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, that's a, that's a hard thing to do in general. It's an even harder thing to like animate, uh, through like a literal cartoon action movie. Right. right? Um, so it's good that they get that right. Um, and then Tron also asks, what do you think about Count Lazar being a xenophobe? He does really, he is extremely racist to the Japanese people there. He is. There's also this reminded me of a bit in the um, in the newer dub uh, where they go to the UN and just every single character in the UN is given a racist accent. It's real. That dub is really oh, bad is about that. <laughs> OK, because, yeah, I watched uh, this time I watched it for this. I watched the uh, subs and that was not the case. I did like that. Everyone's just like a suit man, except the American delegate has an American flag tie because of course, of he, course does. he does. <laughs> um, it's, it's really weird when the dub is like, has a really racist caricature of a Japanese person in a Japanese movie. Like I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to touch that one. You know, I was like, Ooh, this is mm-hmm. rough. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I did. I don't remember. I watched the dub last year and didn't have any memory of it. Um, but also, yeah, one of um, one of the count's guards calls Zenigata an Oriental. That was uh, something. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your? Because there's a lot of like, ah, oh, uh, you Japanese detectives wouldn't understand how we do things here in the fake Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. What's your favorite type uh, of instant ramen noodles? I really like, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to be real with myself and not attempt to pronounce what Tron, uh, Tron's favorite type of noodles are. Uh, the Nongshim uh, Zha Wang black bean ramen noodles, which I don't think I've had that version. I just get a uh, pork flavored top ramen. I don't know. Like it costs 19 cents at my local Walmart. <laughs> Uh, if I'm going to get, uh, get ramen, I normally get the, uh, Nongshim, uh, Shin Ramen Black, which is good. Spicy. It's good though. I like it a lot. Okay. I used to live around Uh, the corner from a pretty good ramen place when I was in college. Um, and that has, uh, put me in a weird place where I only eat like this like $15 a bowl ramen or like ramen that cost me 19 cents. And those are the only two things I will eat. Uh, that's fair. Uh, and then the last question was, how do you feel about the soundtrack? This movie? It's great. Uh, which will be featured throughout this, uh, as we go through segments. Yeah. Um, uh, it's good. I love this early, uh, Miyazaki stuff. That's so synthesizer heavy. I feel like it, some of these get away from that as we get into like the nineties and the aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really like the sound of that. Um, you know what? This is a, so this soundtrack is by Yuji Ono. Normally, I feel like going forward, all the Miyazaki films are uh, Joe Hisaishi, but I guess I, not this one. I think that's true, yeah. Um, it's also, like, it's the most obvious thing in the world, but every time, like, every time the um, soundtrack, like, syncs up perfectly with the action, so, like, someone shoots a gun, like, right as a drum hit happens or something, like, all of that's just great, you know? Yep. Um, uh, he is the composer for Lupin Part 2, which is what was airing when this came out, okay. so that makes sense. Okay. Um, I think that's all our questions. Um, yeah, again, if you want to send them, uh, podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Um, next time, we're going to be watching no- uh, Nausicaa. So. It's one of my favorite movies. It's great. 
I'm very excited. Uh, that'll be in two weeks. Uh, until then, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, when this goes live on iTunes, it'll be up before it's on iTunes because iTunes is always slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to rate and review if that's your thing. Yeah. Um, and if you want to find us other places, uh, Autumn, where can you be found? You can find me at Allison underscore coffee. That's A-L-I-S-O-N underscore coffee. Um, and then, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, um, like patreon.com slash export audio. My main podcast is export audio. I also do no look pass, which is a very bad basketball podcast. Um, uh, we have a, but we have like five podcasts on export audio right now. And so just throw us a dollar. It helps everything we do. Uh, where can people Uh. find you? You can find this podcast and all of my podcasts on abnormalmapping.com. Uh, if you want to listen to me talk about movies, uh, opposite this podcast every other week, we have repertory screenings, which you can find at repertoryscreenings.com. That's me, my partner, Destiny, and uh, my usual co-host, Jackson. And we just talk about a movie every time. Uh, when this goes out, we are a week away from watching Torque, which is uh, Joseph Kahn's send-up of early Fast and the Furious films. Um, it's a good time. I haven't, I haven't uh, seen that. I might watch that before the thing. It's very stupid. I <laughs> highly recommend it. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at EM underscore being, uh, if you want to support abnormal mapping podcasts, it's patreon.com slash abnormal mapping. Um, you know, throw a buck my way, but honestly support autumn export audio is great. <laughs> I was going to say it's my favorite podcast and I realized I'd already said that in this episode. You've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess. That's it uh, for this episode. I don't have. Do we have a sign off? I didn't think this far ahead. Sign offs are so hard. They're, it's the worst part of podcasting. Let's just end it. I'm not afraid.